This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five on three. That's right, another episode of five on three. Jackson High alongside Chris Hennessy, Jack Caldwell. Guys, how are we? Not bad. Islanders hockey is back. The dark times are over. It's been a long two weeks for you, Chris. It's been a long two weeks, my <laughs> The man. dark times are over. I mean, dark times. It was the all-star break. It's not Islanders hockey, though. How is, when they're in I, first, here, pla- when they're first here's, place, you just here's want my thing. to play. How is it dark, dark time is when you get to sit and watch your team in first place just not move anywhere? Uh, that's you don't have true, to worry about Those aren't dark times. That, that those, is, those are, good, those are golden true, but, times. That's true, but like when you only have, like, I, I looked it up, like, I've only watched the Islanders in first place, like, 27 games in my life or something like that. Like you So want. now you get to savor it. <laughs> savor it for two that, weeks without them playing. That should be nerve-wracking, though, I think. It's fun to watch your team in first place, but, like... it's here, Here's the thing. I'll give Chris this. When you haven't seen it a lot, it's to the just point where you, you just, like, you don't really care. There's just no want to see it. Yeah, when, I can when, relate to that as a Knicks fan. As a, as, as a Rangers fan, when they've been competitive for so long... Being in first place is like it's nerve wracking. Like, like, like think about nerve wracking. I used to love the time off to just sit and relax think and not about, have to worry about. Think it. about the two weeks between the AFC Championship game with the Super Bowl if the Jets were in it, and then get back to me. Just <laughs> both of you. Just okay. Anyways, you quit complaining. <laughs> quit complaining. Anyways, so uh, we are post All Star break. This is our post All Star break episode, and obviously there were some big storylines around the All Star game, most notably with uh, Kendall Coyne Schofield, who put on a heck of a show Beast. at the uh, at the skills competition with her speed. I mean, she was only like a second behind Connor less McDavid. Less than a second less behind a second, Connor right? McDavid, which the fact that a human being could be less than a second yeah. behind is unbelievable. Who has now won the competition three years in a row, yep. and the fastest man on earth, the, the best hockey player on earth. And it, just, just huge for the women's sport, what what she was able to do. She was also an analyst on NBCSN, the uh, Pittsburgh-Tampa Bay game the other night. And, uh, yeah, I, I think if anyone watched that game, you know where we're getting to on this with uh, the Mr. Infamous Pierre Maguire. I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It was, it, was, so it, was, it, was so, it was so embarrassing, not only for the network, but for the sport as a whole, to, to even treat someone like that. Whether it's a guy or a girl, to treat anyone like that in such a demeaning way was... And I don't even know if he meant it because I think Pierre's just living in his own world half the time and is just so excited he can't control himself. But it, it was it was disturbing what he did, to be completely honest. She's the fourth leading scorer in the history of NCAA women's hockey. She's won six, six gold medals with the USA women's hockey team, including multiple at the Olympics. Pierre doesn't know her from a bag of bread. He knows everything about, like, Christopher Letang. His name is Chris Letang. Chris Letang's, you know, childhood where he played junior hockey, what his mother's maiden name is, goes to his house every night, every Friday night for dinner. And he can't figure out that he doesn't think Kendall Schofield or Kendall Coyne Schofield knows which team is which. I mean, I think we would be offended, Chris, if he did that to us, if he was pointing out, you know, oh, you got this team on this side. This I, I can see I have eyes. We are... 18-year-old college kids who have never played hockey anywhere near a professional level, and you're talking to one of the greatest women's hockey players ever, if not the greatest. Someone who's accomplished a lot more than he has, actually. (laughs) I was watching it live. A lot more. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it really got taken to light how Pierre had one year as an NHL coach and no one respected him at all when he was at Hartford and was fired shortly after, and Pretty much everyone on the team called it 
the be- the best thing they've ever had in hockey was when he got fired. So I- embarrassing how he hasn't been let go. Just wanted to get that kind of off the bat because it- it- it's it's frustrating when you're trying to expand the game in so many different ways. We talk about expanding the game. I mean, we barely even mention on the women's side how important it is to expand the game there. And the fact that after a performance like that, that she did it at the skills competition in the fastest skater to treat someone like that as a broadcast. And then he had that weird cringeworthy gesture when she, she yeah, was like going actually, across like, the bench. It was yeah, like, she, he was like dude, directing her. Like, yeah, catch, like, you know, that was weird. And it's just like USA hockey, I think is doing an admirable job of trying to expand the women's game. Just, you know, Canada versus USA women's hockey is one of the best rival rivalries we have in the sport, men or women. And they're playing three times in the next couple of weeks, two up in Canada and one at the at the new joint in Detroit. What's that thing called now? Little Caesars. Little, Little Caesars, Caesars thank you. Um, I wanted to call it the Joe Lewis Arena, but I was wrong. Um, yeah, Little Caesars, and that's so cool. Like They, they played in that gold medal game. That's a great game, and now the whole thing is going to be tainted because more people will watch. Obviously, like, more people are going to watch the All-Star game than that game, and which is debatable whether that's right or wrong. And then this happens, and Pierre Maguire just makes a joke out of the league. And we wonder why we have to sit here and talk about how much of a joke our sport is. It's it's unbelievable. He's so bad. It's like an LG, Chris. He's terrible. He's the I hate him. That was that was very very strong, and I liked your delivery because he's, it was very I soft. Hate him. I hate him so much. Sad it was angry. very mel- melancholy. I, I like can't his. stand Pierre Maguire. I can't stand him. He needs I don't, I don't blame him. I mean, the, the fact that he hasn't been fired just for his skills alone. As an analyst is is embarrassing. They never even enough. demoted him. I mean, he yeah. stays on the the top primetime games on NBC, and no one likes him too. Like, I don't get why they keep him on. I mean, and if you're a broad, if you're a, a broadcast network, you want to give the viewers what they want. It's not like a team where, okay, if your fans don't like a player, but he's serving the team well, you play him. You don't have to do that. You're supposed to serve the viewers or the listeners as a broadcast network. So if every single one of your viewers openly hates the guy, I don't know why you keep throwing him out there. The worst is that he just makes himself look intelligent when he says like smart stuff, like like slot front presence, like or like, like he, he just knows, says like a dork. It's like the he worst. knows where every single player played their junior hockey. Like, like no one I cares. Care. Like I care. No one cares. Like the only all. player, like I know that oh, Tavares geez. played for Oshawa and Barzal played for Seattle. Other than that, I don't know and I don't care. Right. Well, now now that that's out of the way, unfortunately we have we had to get that off the bat, and unfortunately for Pierre Maguire. Uh, well, unfortunately for the people, he still has a job. Fortunately for him, he somehow kind of slipped away unscathed from this by NBC. But regardless, he still has a job. And Artemi Panarin is going to be without a job soon, but not for long. And he made it clear that his next job is probably not going to be in Columbus. As he essentially told the team that he's not willing to negotiate an extension. He wants to play out the season and then readdress things on July 1st, essentially kind of saying goodbye to Columbus and that he doesn't want to be there. So my, my question to you guys is that at this point with Columbus being in the spot they are, because they, they are in a tough spot right now because they're two arguably most important players. Panarin's their best player. And then the goalie Bobrovsky, Sergei Bobrovsky, is probably their most important player if they want to win any sort of playoff games. Is now the time to move on from these guys? Do you try to trade and get some sort of value back when you are in a playoff spot, you're probably going to make the playoffs and haven't really won anything in Columbus. Is this the point to move on now, or do you kind of bite the bullet, move them in the off, just move on in the off season from them as free agents and hope you can make some sort of playoff run? 
I move one of the two just because of the fact that Columbus historically has not been a successful franchise. And I would move Panarin because I personally don't see a market where teams are going to be – there's a contender who's <laughs> dying for a shutdown goaltender in Bobrovsky. I don't see any team that is necessarily going to move the farm for, like you said, their most important player. Whereas Panarin, I think – any team could use a guy like Panarin, and I think there's a lot of teams who would be willing to create some interesting packages for a guy like Panarin. Now, of course, everybody would like a, a goaltender as great as Bobrovsky, but as to whether you can get as many teams to offer you stacked packages for a shutdown goaltender, I don't think there's as much of a market for him as there would be Panarin, who almost any contender could use. I agree. Um, while you were talking, I was thinking the one team I would say that would go for Bobrovsky is Calgary. David Riddich, Mike Smith. I don't know. Riddich has been stable. great, though. Riddich has been great, but how stable is that? But Rousey That's fair. Stable. I, that would be the one team. But mostly I agree with you. If you're going to trade one of them, trade Panarin. Because I feel like Bobrovsky, I don't know why, I just feel like Bobrovsky's more likely to stay. Maybe because Panarin, there's a 0% chance. But um, Bobro- Panarin is an interesting player where if he if he leaves, he's probably going to go to the place where it offers him more money. And thankfully for you two, not so much for me, it's going to be... The, it's going to be the Garden. It's going to be the Rangers. And they're going to have a lot of space open when they trade Zuccarello, when they trade Hayes, if they trade Kreider. And they're going to offer this guy a lot of money. But my question is, why would he go there? There's, they just lost their best three players at the trade deadline, theoretically. Oh, so, well, uh, so that, 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 he spins it that way. Spin it against the Rangers. Well, they the, just well, lost their three best well, players. Well, here's the reasoning. I mean, I, mean I, I don't think winning is really the concern for Artemi Panarin. And that's been voiced before. By him, he wants to go. He wants to live in a place where that's going to be desirable for him. I I know over the summer when these rumors kind of came out that he wasn't going to negotiate any sort of extension with Columbus was that he wants to live on the coast, being Florida, who just cleared up a ton of space today with the deals that they made. L. A. Who is a disaster. I don't think he's going to end up there. They also have a ton of money locked up in older players like Kopitar, like Dowdy like Dustin Brown and plenty of others, Jeff Carter as well. And the Rangers were the other option. And I'm, I'm, I'm also pretty sure the Islanders will be an option. Yeah, I mean, we'll Jones pro- Beach is we'll, the coast. So. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll probably get a discussion. Because, I mean, listen, I mean, for the, for the perceived future, I think Panarin would be fine living in the city and being an Islander. I mean, you, you could... You could yeah, make instead of just walking into the garden, just go downstairs yeah, to Penn, it, exactly. hop on the train. So it, it's definitely an option there, but... That is really, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is if he cared really a lot about winning, there's no reason why he shouldn't be staying in Columbus because they have a great young core there. Their big-time players are locked up in contracts other than Bobrovsky, but he doesn't want to spend the next eight years in Columbus. That's what it comes down to. He wants to be in New York. He wants to be either in someplace warm or maybe even out west in a team like L.A. who has struggled or even San Jose, but that doesn't seem like an option now because... They have a ton of money. I think they'd rather re- resign Carlson. And Carlson is probably Panarin. another one that might get added to that list. So that that's the reason behind Panarin. Back to the previous question about whether you trade Bobrovsky or trade Panarin at this point. I think you have to put both of them on the market. Uh, Panarin is the guy I think is who's going to get traded and is going to dictate this entire trade deadline. And I, I agree with but kind of what both you guys were going for. I would. Definitely float Bobrovsky around because if if I'm Columbus, the guy I prefer to trade is Bobrovsky personally. Because see if someone can give you an offer you can't refuse. Exactly, you, you, you got he's going to be on the market regardless of what happens. I think maybe even if Carolina would make an offer, 
given I'm not sure if they're in the playoff. They're in the playoff race. They're on the outside looking in right now. They're five they're back five of Columbus. Yeah. But that's a team that has a ton of young talent there. They have a first-round pick that's probably going to end up being a lottery pick this year. That might be an interesting well, option. If they trade they for Bobrovsky, that around and try to... to extend him off the bat. That might be an option. Martin Netchess as a possibility as a prospect. I don't think they're going to move him because he's a blue-chip type guy. But if they get an offer they can't refuse from a Carolina or even a Calgary. I, I don't think Calgary's going to move for goalie because I think they really like Riddich and he's had a great year. But, again, they there is some kind of uncertainty at that position. I think both are going to be available. Panarin's going to get a ton of offers oh, just because sure. of the for talent sure. that he is. There's a lot of teams looking for a rental player who could put the puck in the back of the net. Yeah, and he can certainly do that. But I think both are going to get floated around. I'm not sure if both get moved. If they are going to move one of the two, you got to you got to do it now, though, because I think Columbus is in a position where if they sell Panarin, they should use some of the assets that they have to go out and get another type of player that can fit in and kind of pick up where he left off. Obviously not maybe not a point-per-game-plus guy, but get someone of that caliber who can fill in in their top six and score because they're going to need it going forward if they want to make the playoffs. And I think a reason you trade him if you're Columbus is look at what happened to, of course, the Islanders with Tavares and then take Pittsburgh, what they just did yesterday. That's the blueprint. This you, morning. you can't get caught in that situation. Right, yeah. so so why would you let... Why would you like play out the season? Maybe we're going to make the playoffs. If we make the playoffs, we're going to play against Tampa Bay or Washington, who are both really good teams. Or are we going to trade him away for a, a good haul? Pittsburgh got a good haul for um, uh, Broussard, Broussard and Riley Shannon. Thank you. I don't know why I just blanked on that. But, uh, yeah, I think that you try to trade him. And if you don't get the haul you want, obviously you don't because you're in a playoff race. Like if this was, you know... Detroit, New Jersey, Florida, down here that we're talking about, then I think like you trade them no matter what, just trade them to the best offer, but you're in a playoff race. Don't pull the trigger unless it's something you really like. And look, if if I'm Columbus or really any contender, I'm looking at this year's playoff field. The only two teams that I'm really afraid of playing in that first round is Toronto and I guess Wash or rather Tampa, not Toronto, Tampa, and I guess Washington. None of the other teams, no offense, Chris, the Islanders, the Penguins, the Bruins, Habs, Maple Leafs, none of those other teams I'm looking at, if you're a bottom seed playing in the first round, and totally, you know what, in my pants, you know? <laughs> so it, if you can get a guy like Panarin, even a team on the outside looking in like Carolina or a Buffalo, I'm just throwing out some teams who are in that picture that could get him. You're talking about a team that could go on a legitimate run, and that's also another argument you could say for the the Jackets to keep both of those guys because they have a chance in that second wild card spot. They'd be playing Tampa. I'd be pretty afraid of that, but they're only one point out of third in the Metro. Middle stat for Panarin, straight up. Who says no? Oh, I mean, I, I'm not a fan of middle stat as a prospect. Oh, I like personally, I, I I think he's. He's definitely overrated. His scoring was down at Minnesota in college. He didn't put up the type of numbers that warrant it. I know he's skilled as hell. He's so he, good. He's skilled, but he struggled in the NHL this year. And, I mean, listen, I guess to get that type of prospect, even what, the, the, excuse me, no matter where you argue, I mean, I, I think that's a, that's a deal where Buffalo probably would say yes, and I think Columbus would probably say yes as well to get that type of talent. But, I mean, Actually, no. I don't know if Buffalo says yes to that. But if he doesn't want to be in Columbus, he's why not going to be in Buffalo. Buffalo? That, that was that was Buffalo. that was the thought that came into my mind right after I said why Buffalo would would take that because right. Buffalo's had their problems locking up guys themselves. I mean, right. 
Ryan O'Reilly, even though they traded for him, I mean, he wanted no part of staying there. We'll see if Jeff Skinner, who's a free agent after this year, wants to stay there after having a 30-goal season. So it, it is a tough spot for some guys. And the next question I was going to pose to you guys is, do the Rangers make a run at him as a trade opportunity? Because I, I think that, listen, I think that he would probably be the primary option as a free agent if he gets to there, but you got to get him there first. If you have a team that, or like Florida who has a ton of assets in terms of prospects and picks now after the trade they made today with Pittsburgh, or you have a team like even the Islanders who have a ton of assets to use from there, their farm system isn't great outside of their basically top-tier guys in Dobson and Wallstrom. Six guys, yeah, they got, they but, got five to six guys. But they have there. assets that they can move. Is it a point where, you? I think at the Rangers you have to at least check on what the price is for Panarin, but is this a move that you make to kind of be safe and then try to lock him up afterwards? Yeah, I don't think it hurts to check in on it, of course, and see what the price is, but I just don't know, as a Rangers fan, what I would want to move that would be realistic for Columbus to take. Zuccarello, Hayes, Kreider, some combination of that. Is that, that really getting I was you thinking, Panarin? I was thinking, like, you want to get yeah, rid of those I guys, think they're getting and you rid want of, Panarin, yeah, so you just do want to get rid of once. those three guys, but... Is Columbus really taking that for Panarin? That's what I'm thinking. Why not? They got to get. They got to replace his talent somehow. They're trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, but then you get in a situation where you're kind of stuck. Like, listen, I know I said before they're going to try to use possibly the assets they get from a deal to go get a guy. And listen, Hayes could definitely be that guy because Hayes is arguably the second best forward on the market outside of that. If Duchesne and and uh, Stone end up not getting traded by Ottawa, but I I, I kind of am with Jack. At this point, if you're going to swap a Panarin for Hayes, why not just bite the bullet at this point and take Panarin the rest, ride Panarin out the rest of the way and not even not even trade him and just try to win a cup with him? Or unless you think, unless you want a negotiating period with Hayes to try to get an extension, but right, again, unless you a lot of for some reason think that there's Kevin Hayes is more likely to resign than Artemi Panarin, which I don't know why you would think that, but now what about? You'd be an interesting one. Floating around Chris Kreider's name, straight up for Panarin, who's got a year and a half of control left. I'm Kreider I'm talking about. Back with Torts. You have a... Which would be interesting because we know the dynamic of those. Yeah, oh, those they did not get along. That was not a good mix. Those, so just thing is, move on to right, Zook. Try right, to try right, the next one. Yeah, right, no, no right, right now, I think I think uh, Tortorella would love Kreider's game. because that, Kreider's that's matured a lot. He's matured a lot, and... He should have been playing while Tortorella was here, but regardless, he's become a type of player that would fit well in Tortorella's system, I think. But if Tortorella, Jesus, if Kreider is on the table for Panarin, I'm all over the place today, so <laughs> apologies in advance for that one. If Kreider is on the table for Panarin right now, straight up, if you're Columbus, are you saying yes? You got the 2019-20 season to negotiate, to negotiate with, a deal with him. Yeah, and he's. I don't see why you wouldn't. I don't see it's why a you tough won. slope because. He, you're you're gambling a lot that Kreider's going to be interested in, in staying in Columbus. But the, at least you have like a chance. You're still getting a year and a half versus a half a year, and Kreider's not putting up the numbers that Panarin is. But you mm-hmm. can almost you can slide him in as a forward, and because I think for the Rangers, it's a no-brainer. Good production, yeah. As as a Rangers fan, you 100 percent make that deal. But the Jackets, I. I can see them taking it, but I could also see why they wouldn't want to either because there is risk involved, but you're still getting a year and a half of control over a half year. Now, let's say maybe you attach a pick or something on top of that. I I don't think the Rangers would even think about trading Kreider at that point because I I personally don't think they're going to trade him at this deadline because 
I think it would take heaven and earth to get Kreider, and Panarin may be that, but again, at the end of the day, he's only a rental, and the Rangers are in this rebuilding phase where I, I feel like they'd only accept picks and prospects, which is kind of ludicrous to me, but... But they also Regardless. need leadership. Kreider yeah, is sort I, of I, that I, captain role. If you lose Kreider, Zook is gone. He plays sort of a captain role. You have me, no one else besides Stahl to lead the guys. I have the guy no problem extending Kreider. I have no problem extending Kreider. They're probably going to – it's going to hurt them on the back end, but Kreider's a top 20, 25 winger in the league right now. And extending him would probably be optimal for the Rangers in this situation. But if they do get an offer like – like a Panarin type to assure that they keep him and then can extend Panarin right off the bat and keep him there long term. I don't know how you say no if you're the Rangers. Yeah, as if you can, if you know you can extend Panarin, which I think the Rangers well, could. You, you don't. I don't think you know going in, but there's you're a very good, good opportunity yeah. that he's going to want an extension. The only, yes. reason, I don't know. the only reason you say no if you're the Rangers is if you don't trust your rebuilding abilities. If you don't trust your ability to be competent within four years, that's the only like. Like, you know what I mean? No, like that, that's fair. I, like, I if, just, like if you're gonna sign, let would Tavares just get seven seventy seven over seven? So let's say you sign Panarin to sixty three over seven, not nine as opposed to eleven. So seven years, you want to try to win, not win a cup, get to the Eastern Conference Finals at least within four years of that to try to build off of that success with your locked up franchise player. If you don't trust your abilities to be that far in four years, then that, that, that's why you don't do it. And I think they're in a position to do that for sure because, I mean, you look at what where they have right now. I, I mean, agree. Heedle's coming along. you got to think Kraftsov is going to be here next year. Keandre Miller within the next two years. Nils Lundqvist is scoring at Eric Carlson levels in Sweden right now. And they have, got, they have enough guys on their roster, depending on what they do, that I think they could eventually get to that point. And then, listen, I'm, they're not competing right now, but... They're 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 hanging their heads above water right now in the playoff controversy. I know they're eight points out, but they're still hanging around in that scenario. So I, I think Kreider for Panarin would be a no-brainer for me. I don't know if the Rangers would do it just because of the position that they're at and how much they love Kreider, but if I'm in Jeff Gordon's shoes, I, I think you throw Kreider out on the table as a one-for-one scenario, see if they do it, and then, listen, if they're going to ask for heaven and earth back, you don't you don't move because, listen, there's a chance he comes here over the summer. Right. Not a big deal. Anyways, I'm like blanking on what else we had to talk about because Panarin was there. But we are going to look forward to the second half. We're going to talk about the Penguins trade. We are going to talk about the Penguins trade. You know what? Let's get to that right now. I, I actually like that idea, Chris. Uh, one trade went down today, and uh, hopefully it starts a little bit of spring of trades to gain some interest in the NHL right now because the NBA is stealing all the headlines. And I mean all the he- I mean, last 72 hours, Anthony Davis asked for a trade. Kristaps Porzingis got traded. Kyrie Irving apparently won't ex- sign an extension in Boston. And the news we get right now in the NHL is that the Penguins have traded Derek Broussard and Riley Sheehan. <laughs> not living up to the NBA hype, but not a big trade, I would call it, but one that it has a lot of future implications for both sides. Um, I, I like Bukestad as a player personally. And Jared McCann is 22 years old and is a 40-point type player, I think, if when he reaches his ceiling, he could be a middle six type forward. And Florida, with the goal of getting money off the books, they get two expiring contracts in Broussard and Sheehan, plus three picks, a second-round pick and two-fourths, which I, I personally like as compensation given where Florida is at. I think this is a win for Florida, even though Pittsburgh does get their third-line center that they needed for the next few years, and a quality winger who I think can be a passenger on a line with a Crosby or Malkin. 
I, I like this for Florida, given that they're going to be in a position to go after Panarin at some point in the year. What do you guys think? I agree. Uh, when I saw this trade on Twitter, I was kind of shrugged it off. I was like, this is weird. But then I looked on Cap Friendly and became much more interesting because of all the things you just talked about. And I'm a nerd. So I looked at all these things and like Derek Broussard and Riley Shane with the expiring contracts. So if Florida has no intention to resign them, which maybe they do, maybe they don't, they basically just traded th- two second to third line forwards for three draft picks. And in with the opportunity to free up cap space. But for Pittsburgh, I I get it. But like I don't know. Like Brassard is like a veteran player on that, that bottom six. That Pittsburgh's bottom six is really interesting right now. I don't love it. I didn't love it last year, and I think that's part of the reason they lost to Washington. This improves their bottom six, so I like it, but I, I like Brassard better than Bukestad. Yeah, it almost mirrors the the Knicks move yesterday. I feel like you're freeing up some cap space. You get a couple of picks back so you can continue to work on that semi-rebuild, but it also gives you the opportunity to go after a guy like Panarin in the offseason, and that's really what the Panthers needed. There's not really, to me, they're, they're a fine enough team, but there's there's not like it's not like they need five, six guys a ton. They need one superstar that could really make them a perennial contender, and that's the kind of move that they could make in free agency now. I can so see Florida just throwing everything at Jeff Skinner. I, I don't know what it is, but the fact that they just completely abandoned an- analytics, they see a guy who's going to put up 40 goals, which, I mean, Skinner's a great player. There's no doubt about it, but I could so see them giving him like an 8 by 8 deal out of complete nowhere if they if they don't get Panarin. Eight by eight's a little much for Jeff Skinner, I think. Oh, it's a lot, and I, I I wouldn't pay eight by eight for Jeff Skinner, but I I could see Team and Dave Tyone for sure throwing that type of money at Florida, just because I'm not going to call him an idiot, but like he kind of is an idiot with some okay. of the moves that he's done. I, I could just see them doing something absolutely ludicrous in the off season. So this is the same GM who botched the Vegas deal. Yeah. Oh, he's the same one that gave up Marchessault and Riley Smith for gave them their whole he gave, first he line. Ba- he gave them Riley Smith so that they would take Jonathan Marchessault. So they gave instead him, of right, gave the Alex Petrovic, yeah. so, who was then later traded to the Edmonton Oilers. By nice. the way, love to see it. If Peter Chiarelli is dope enough to take, like, <laughs> what are you doing, really? Um, yeah, I hope Jeff Skinner stays in Buffalo just because I kind of like the Sabers. I like to watch them; they're fun when they're good. It doesn't have to be Skinner uh, too. I I just could associate yeah, no, just a yeah, ton of money at some random some, dude, some just weird dude that isn't Artemi Panarin, kind of like the Knicks did with our Amari Stoudemire that year when they freed up Caps. That was just not LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Florida's interesting. I don't know that I really trust the process. Obviously, Jackson doesn't either. Uh, and down in Florida, just because they seem to have like a lot of good players. Like Alex Barkov's a really good hockey player. Yeah, that's what I, I was mean, trying to get. At. And they like, and they they just kind of wallowing away as the GM just trades everybody else on their team. They so have like, that decent core. They just don't have the perennial superstar. And oh, I think Barkov's a superstar, no doubt in my you mind. You think he is? I think Barkov's a superstar. At what point does he walk in the office and get me out of here? Like this is ridiculous. Soon, I, like, I, this I, is I absurd. Mean, like they're I mean, so bad. Yeah, no, I mean. People people love their defense for so long, but I mean their their D is overhyped too. I mean outside of I, Ekblad is what he is at this point. I, I don't think Ekblad, I think Ekblad's pretty ordinary, and we wouldn't talk about him a whole lot if he wasn't the first overall pick. Uh, and you got a few guy, a few other guys. I mean Matheson's okay, but that contract is ginormous. 
and there's a few other guys on that blue line that aren't great. And listen, they, I, they have some real talent up front too. I mean, Hoffman's great despite those kind of side issues that apparently with his wife yeah, and Ottawa. Carlson last year in Ottawa. And Huberdeau's really good. He's yeah. having a heck of a year. He's leading them in points right now. I think Barkov's a superstar right now. He had over 80 points last year, and he's arguably the best two-way player in in the entire league, even ahead of Patrice Bergeron and, and Sean Couturier right now. Oh, I, I would take I would take Barkov. Not I'm not taking him over, over Crosby, Crosby, but in terms of two, but in terms of as a defensive center, you're, he is the gold standard right now. Yeah, he's a really good player, and I mean the Islanders played against the Panthers in that playoff series, the one they've won in my lifetime. <laughs> And any chance you get to mention it, you bring it up. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the the one playoff series they've won in my lifetime, yeah. or just the Islanders in general. Oh no, the, well, both. that in general, but both referring to the playoff series. Oh, here. the playoff series. Um, yeah, and like they they looked like a good team, like on the rise kind of thing. They were they won the Atlantic Division. That's why the Islanders played them, and then they just fell off the face of the earth. Yeah, were you, were you at any of those quick. games or no? I was not at any of those games. No, I was at uh, boarding school in Avon, Connecticut. Watching in my dorm room, screaming my head off. Man, boarding school. That's a uh, roommate. Must have loved that. Yeah, he was from Thailand. Never seen ice before. <laughs> True story. Wow, wow. Um, but yeah, no, I was at a. What game was I at? So you're a Rangers fan, and you went to this game. I got free tickets. I, I, nah, I'm, fair I get free tickets. I'm gonna go. I was, at, I was <laughs> fair enough. I was there the day before when the Rangers lost five nothing to Pittsburgh in Game Four of the uh, first round. That was that was the worst Ranger game I've ever been at, and I've been at some bad ones too. So. uh but yeah, no, I was at. I think I was game four when Hickey had the overtime winner, whatever it was. Game four, yeah. It was Hickey's overtime winner, but Hickey's I was I was at that order. game. Then Quine scored in game five and double over and double yep. overtime. Yep, and then and obviously to JT Paris. baby, I love you. Moving on from any more Islanders <laughs> talk. Um, let's let's we're gonna wrap things up quickly, but we're we're, we're doing a little preview for these. The local teams for the second. We're not even going to talk about the Devils because they're as irrelevant as it gets right now. Love you, now. Matt. Yeah, Matt isn't here today, uh, obviously, but there's no reason to talk about the Devils right now. They're they're not good. Taylor, their best player's out. They don't have really many movable assets that could get you anything. And, yeah, that, that's just about it. It's going to be a rough second half for Devils fans, but we'll f- focus on the Rangers for a second. The, the one big question, Zuccarello and Hayes are getting moved. There, there's no doubt about that. Does Chris Kreider get moved at this deadline? I don't think so because he has a year and a half left, and I think it goes back to he's having a career year, and he is the veteran captain role in a sense. He's really matured, and he's one of the few guys from those great runs uh, that the Rangers had in Lundquist's prime who can continue to carry that on, especially to the forwards. Once Zook and Hayes are gone, you look at that, that those set of forwards, and it's really Kreider, the only one with a, a real winning pedigree, who is a legitimate force. And I don't, I don't really trust Stahl. I'm sure he's a great guy, but he's not a great influence. And who know, they'll probably buy him out or do something. Who knows what his future is? But to me, Kreider has really blossomed into sort of that rebellious young kid against Tortorella into a, a, a mature captain sort of guy. And the Rangers love him. The front office loves him. The fans love him. And I think they're going to trade two long-term franchise guys in Hayes and Zuccarello. And I think they'll they'll keep Kreider at least for this deadline. So I'll pose this question to the two of you because I, I admit I don't know. Why, if you all love Chris Kreider so much, and like my grandpa and my uncle are huge Rangers fans, they love, all love Chris Kreider. And you guys talk about how much you like Chris Kreider. If you love him so much, why not over this summer, July of 2019, say, hey, look, this is the deal. 
I know we stunk this year. I know we, where you're going. We might stink this year. You were going to stick the C on your chest, sign this 5x5, five five, and we'll get in the Eastern Conference Finals before it's over. Well, I'm I'm going to answer that right now, and it's it's easy because a player of Kreider's type, we talked about this a few weeks ago with Andrews Lee, that's a dangerous next contract. It's a da- It's a dangerous contract with players like him. I mean... Kreider, obviously, more of a speedster than anything, but and power forward type. But giving a guy at twenty nine who's gonna who is gonna get seven years on the open market from somewhere, I legitimately believe that 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 that's a tough. It's a tough con- next contract. And that, uh, there's that's a team reason, that's gonna make it dumb. It's similar to McDonough last year because yeah. McDonough signing that extension at thirty years old, which was a which is a Tampa got a pretty good deal because of their their tax situation in Florida, which is ludicrous, but. The main point being is, you get, you trade him. If you're going to trade him, you trade him now, because you can get really good value. Kreider's value is never going to be higher than it is right well, now in the open market. I, I'd agree with you. I just don't think they will. I don't think they will either. I, I think they're going to field offers, but I don't think they're going to get that heaven and earth that they're going to look for. But my main point in being about trading Kreider is that that next contract is dangerous because I know you mentioned five by five. I think he could legitimately command seven by six and a half or seven by seven and get it. It's a lot of money for a thirty-year-old forward. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of teams money. Have been but but that teams out. have but, been teams have been dumber to so, give. Yeah, in but the at past. what at what point do we get to the Bryce Harper area where like Bryce Harper is demanding two hundred, three hundred, four hundred million dollars, and the owners are saying no? At what point does Andrews Lee and Chris Kreider walk into a room and say, "Hey, I'm a first-line winger. Give me seven by seven, And the GM say, "No," and we end up in well, August sal- and Andrews Lee sal- isn't signed. First of all, it's a salary cap sport That's versus true. baseball. That is Second true. of all, you don't have the gigantic list of guys who got or teams who got burned on bad contracts like Jacoby Ellsbury and, I and Shin even, I, Chu and Pablo Sandoval. Like Milan Lucic is just the star. Like why can't you just look at Peter Torelli being an idiot and signing Milan Lucic to the same deal? Well, we he's could, the same kind that, of player. Was, and no, now well, he's a, and now he's we're going to sign Andrews Lee. Doesn't have the speed. To be, I, I love Anders Lee, but seven by seven is a lot of. I would do it in a heartbeat because he's my captain, and I feel like you guys would do that for the Rangers because Chris Kreider is your captain. But I don't see the point. In demanding this amount of money, when you're if you're a winger, you're not going to get it. To be fair to Peter Shirelli, looking at that off season, there was like really not a good contract there. I mean, you talk about Louis Erickson getting seven years in Vancouver, stunk right off the bat. David Backus, his contract in Boston sucked. Uh, Andrew Ladd, ob- obviously, oh my god, with the horrible Ladd contract, please. There's there's there were so many bad. Wait contracts till the trade deadline got... episode. I'll start yelling about Andrew Ladd's contract. Good. There god. there are so many bad contracts given out that off season, and I think we're going to see it continue. But also, Chris Kreider's a better player than those than those guys for sure. In, I think Anders Lee is too, but and I think Anders Lee is too. I mean, I agree. These guys for, scored forty goals a year before. He's a good player, but again, you're approaching a situation where. Even even seven by seven, I don't think is completely horrible, but you're you're just going to be burned at the back end of that contract. The the reason that these other contracts have been so bad is that teams have been burned at the beginning of that co- of these contracts, which is not what people were expecting. You expect to get the surplus value in the beginning, and then it maxes out at the end where it kind of becomes an even con even deal, but then I I, I don't know. It's it's a really slippery slope. I I think the Rangers are gonna really assess all options, and he's going to be on the market, but my, I don't know if they trade him. My my greater point with that point was, if I'm John Ledecky and the owner of the Islanders, and I'm sitting there and saying, well, wait, I just paid Andrew Ladd 42 over 7, and you're a winger, Andrews. Forget he's the captain. Forget the nostalgia part of it. 
you're the captain, Anders Lee. Why am I going to pay you 49 over 7? You play the same position. You're a great goal scorer. I love you. But, like, th- that's kind of where I feel like we're getting to that Bryce Harpery area where it's like, well, where does the supply and demand start to shift apart from each other? I don't know. I mean, I, I just think that all it takes is one team to offer it. That that That's what it comes down to. And I, I think there's a team that would be willing to offer Anders Lee seven years at some point. There are teams that have to meet a floor, too. I mean, yeah, that's the whole that's thing with true. the NBA. That you get true. guys who are not that good, who Gilbert Arenas, who get like crazy deals because they have to meet the cap floor. I mean, we talked about Dave Tyone being like a perfect guy to offer Jeff Skinner. I mean, excuse me. Jeez, again. You look at Chris Kreider and Anders Lee. Those are like prototypical power forward old school guys who would fit that type of formula perfectly that I'm sure Dave Tyone wants with a ton of cap space if... They don't get a Panarin type. I could see them throwing seven years in Anders Lee. Uh, don't no let me problem. picture him in a Florida. Don't let me picture him in any uniform besides the C on a chest. You, you, you let me talk, so you, you, you did it to yourself. Well, let's wrap things up here with one last little thought. The Islanders rumored they are going to be buyers at the deadline. Yeah. Um, probably the right idea. I would expect them to be very conservative buyers, but would you? Are, is this the year to go all in? Oh, yeah. If you're the do it. really Robin Leonard is hot as absolutely anything in the world. You're never going to get this good of a goaltending from the most mediocre goaltenders in the world. That's first. Second, you're having val like you're just getting career years from everybody right now. Besides Anders Lee at forty, when does that cool off? Why am I supposed to believe it's supposed to cool off in 2019? I like sitting here right now with this current Islanders roster. I do not think they will make the playoffs. I do not think they will make the playoffs because. You can't like rely on Val Philpola being a thirty goal scorer. Well, like, exactly, you can't do that's it. what I'm so, saying. So like, why? So now go out and trade for Wayne Simmons. Go out, try to get Artemi Panarin as a rental. Go out, try to trade for Alex Petrangelo because Adam Pellick stinks. Just do something. Like do something. This whole freaking turn my mic volume down. I'm screaming now. The whole. This whole franchise, my entire life, has just been, oh, let's just wallow in mediocrity. Now they finally have a chance. They're in first place at the All-Star break, and they're not going to trade for anybody? That's ridiculous. Go out, get Wayne Simmons, get Artemi Panarin, get these guys to score goals and bring the Islanders to the playoffs. Because last time you went to the playoffs, it was a one-man show. And this time it's not. So go out and get guys to be on that third line. Go out, get the guys to play with Matt Barzal. Chris, you just became a Knicks fan. My entire life, the Knicks have been buyers at all times in order to make the eighth seed, in order to make it to the second round of the playoffs. At some point, you have to hit the brakes. It's and look been at the 35 years of and hitting the brakes. And it's been 50 years for the Knicks, okay? <laughs> I feel your frustration. I'm pretty frustrated right now. What I'm going to say is you need to sit back, relax, and just look at the big picture of things because by possibly mortgaging your future to get multiple guys on a team that has a lot of question marks and a division that has a lot of contenders who are going to start to really rise, who maybe got off to slow starts, I don't see this as being the Islanders' year. I think the comp- the competition in the conference is too stiff, and I would rather remain competitive and maybe you can make small smart deals but in terms of going out to get big guys and be a contender and trade away future pieces I don't see that as being the move especially when you lost Tavares it's so it's it's the move and here's why Jackson just said it the farm system isn't that good I'm not going to sit here and say Oliver Wallstrom is the next Mike Bossy he's clearly not he's not that good he's good he's a good player but at BC right now he's stinking up the joint see if you could get him Trade him away when his value is still high, unlike Josh Hosang. If you could try to get somebody to take Josh Hosang, I don't know who's going to take him. I don't really want to trade away Dobson or Bowen Wild because they're really good and our defense has been so bad for how many years now. 
But if that's what it takes, do it. Trade away the first-round pick. Make this the year. Barry Trotz is a god. Robin Leonard is playing better than any goaltender in the league right now. Matt Barzal is a budding superstar if he isn't already a superstar. Yes. Anders Lee's the captain. He's going to be a free agent. And if you're going to lose him, make this the year. Brock Nelson's scoring goals at an actual consistent rate, unlike the 20 in October and zero for the rest of the year like it has always. Jordan Eberle's going to relieve a free agency. This is the year. Martin Sezik is clutterbuck. They're getting paid $15 million. I don't care. I love them so much. This is the year. Robin Leonard for Vesna. Barry Trotz for Jack Adams. Islanders to the Eastern Conference Finals. Let's go. Wayne Simmons. You're doing this to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Just think Stanley about Cup that. Stanley Cup Finals. Raise the Stanley Cup. I don't care. It's been 35 years. It's been 35 years since they drove that freaking bus down Hanstown Turnpike. I don't care what it takes. Do it now. I'm so sick of waiting with this stupid team. Wow. It's, all I'm going to say is it's the impatience that you get a short-term payoff, but not the long-term one. I just need one ring. I just want one ring on this, Matt Barzal's finger. I don't me, care. This isn't the team that's winning you a ring. Why not? They're in first place in the All-Star break. Because I don't think that's going to sustain the it's entire It's clearly season. not going to sustain if, Mal- if Malcolm Dalcole's on the third line. If Wayne Simmons is, why not? Go out and get players who know what they're doing. Wayne Simmons is not the difference between possible mediocrity and winning a Stanley Cup when you have the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Toronto Maple Leafs with your guy John Tavares all standing in front of you. I can't. This team right. is so bad. They're so bad. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, Val Philpola isn't going to get us to the Eastern Conference Finals. He's clearly not. They're so bad. This team isn't going to make the playoffs right now. Go and be buyers. You're in a position in the standings where you can be buyers and make the playoffs and do well in the playoffs. You are finally in a position to do something. You finally have players that people like that you draft. People all over the league are saying you had a good draft. You have cast pace. You have a competent GM. You have a competent head coach. You have good goaltending. Your defense is good. It's all fine. Finally coming together. Please to God, Lou Lamorello, do it. Just do it. I'm so sick of Garth Snow. Again, you're sending me the 94 ring. Congratulations. You want to come? It with just Mark came Mason. up on my Instagram. I don't care. It's good time. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Four in a row. I don't care. Just do something. I'm so sick of watching this team just wallow away in April. And that's what they're going to do with this freaking team they have constructed now. I'm, I'm wow. <laughs> he just threw his headset. Chris down. Hennessy. Everybody. He is angry and he and he's showing it. They better win tonight. All right, I'm gonna say one thing before we log off here. One thing I've learned from the Rangers' run is when you have a chance, you have to go for it. When you have an opportunity to be good, you have to go for it because those times they don't come around often. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to They've get to a Stanley Cup. They've won one playoff series in 25 years. And he's back. 25 years ago, my dad, the night before he graduated from college, was in his college apartment watching them beat the Penguins. And it took them 23 years after that to win one. And now you have a chance to do it again and you're not going to take it? Do it. It's ridiculous. I don't know if this team is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. I I, I don't know if that's the case, but I, I think... You could also make the argument last year that the Washington Capitals weren't good enough to win a Stanley Cup beforehand. And weird things happen in the playoffs. That That's just how things work. I mean, I don't want to put it this way, but the Rangers, when they went to the Cup again after that going down 3-1 against Pittsburgh, I mean, they, they, they all came together off of a tragic event happening when Marty San Luis' mom passed away. Weird, weird things like that happen all the time. And when you have a chance... 
like the Islanders do when you're in first place and you have an opportunity to make a run, I, I think you have to go after it. And that's where I stand out. I'm not saying trade everyone away and really put all all your eggs in one basket at this point, but I, I think making a big move at the deadline would, would be the right way to go for the Islanders because you have to go all you have to go for it at some point. And and I think now's the time. And I think that's how we're going to end this episode. They had a franchise player for nine years and never went for it. If they don't go for it now, I give up. Chris, you were the definition of high-low today. There is a there is a point where you were at a one, and then there is a point where you were at an 11. You hit every <laughs> number on the spectrum. Really did. You really did. Uh, that's what I do. Yeah, that, we, we went a little over today, per usual. Uh, but fun episode, as usual. Chris... God bless your soul. Get my blood pressure down. God, God get it back up. Watching them lose to the lightning. God bless your parents for dealing with that. To be completely honest, that that, that was some, that was something else. Uh, anyways, from Chris Hennessy, Jack, Jack as well. You you kept it low key per usual, and I, I like going back. I like going back and forth like that. But from Chris Hennessy, Jack Callball, I'm Jackson Hile. Five on three. We'll see you guys next week.